0: Welcome to the Women Shifting Gears Podcast, where we talk to some of the most dynamic, inspiring, and powerful women who are changing the narrative of what it means to be female in the automotive space. I'm your host, Amanda Busick. They say it might not be easy, but it will be worth it. To all the women out there sitting in the left seat, grab your road snacks. Let's go for a ride. After spending over 12 years as the general counsel for Speedway Motorsports and Charlotte Motor Speedway, Lori Eberhardt is now the founding member of Apollo Sports and Entertainment Law Group based in the Queen City. A self-described badass lawyer, Lori's primary areas of practice are sports and entertainment law with a concentration on advising a variety of sports clients on legal and business matters, in addition to risk management advocating for women to celebrate their triumphs, Lori embodies this energy as a reminder to anyone who may be struggling with being a successful female in a male-dominated career. She has made it her mission to bring abundance and success to those she encounters on this path. From all of us at the Shifting Gears community, Lori, that is badass. Your Women Shifting Gears podcast starts now. And on this week's Women Shifting Gears podcast, Lori Eberhardt joins us. Lori is the founding member of Apollo Sports with a focus on sport and entertainment law out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And Lori, as we dig into you and to your story, one of the things that I, I loved when I uh, was kind of uh, researching you on my own was one of the first sentences you have describing yourself is badass sports lawyer.
1: How important is it to celebrate your successes? That's a great question to start everything off. I think it's really important as women that we do celebrate our successes. And I think it's important that we support each other and that we do say, hey, these are things that I've achieved. This is what I've done in the past. I think so many times we're trained to be very humble and very in the background. And I think we undersell ourselves sometimes. So I think by saying, you know, this is something that, that I did, this is something that I accomplished, you know, founding my own law firm, um, doing some amazing things over my career, I think it's important that we celebrate our own successes, but that we also celebrate other women's successes and lifting them up as well.
0: When you talk about that journey to, as someone, I completely struggle with that. Uh, I I still think that uh, my career is is going to uh, be pulled out from underneath me or am I supposed to be here kind of thing. What was your process with it? When did you, uh, what was the aha moment of, no, I am here. This
1: is what I'm doing and this is who I am. Great. Again, another great question. Um, I'll tell you about a couple of milestones that helped me get to a position where I was, number one, I deserve to be here. I'm in this peer group and I can also move forward and um, accelerate and be successful in this high level peer group is when um, I was working at Speedway Motorsports, which was a, it's a company that owns Charlotte Motor Speedway, Atlanta Motor Speedway, Texas and um, Las Vegas and a couple other speedways. It was a public company at the time, and I moved from being the general counsel of that organization over to being in the operations and took over the ticket office and a lot of the other operational stuff. I was executive vice president of Charlotte Motor Speedway. And I was handling everything, overseeing everything at the Speedway except corporate sales, the ticket Mm -hmm. office, the Speedway Club, the guest services and logistics, the construction, the maintenance, the um, development of the Speedway. Again, everything except corporate sales. It was a great job. One of the funnest things I've ever done in my entire life. But I remember when I I won this award, the Charlotte Businesswoman of the Year Award, and there was a big cocktail party. There was a, a thing, a social, where all the women got together. And I was, as it is throughout my career, I used to be the youngest and only woman in the room. But a lot of times I'm the only woman in the room still. But at that, I was the youngest person in the room. And I remember this one woman coming up to me. Her name is Jill Flynn. She was the longtime human resources manager at uh, First Union Bank, which is now Wells Fargo. And she was back in the day, this would be the 80s, advocated to Ed Crutchfield that women need to be promoted that, oh, by the way, they didn't have to wear skirts. They could wow. wear pants to the executive suite. And so she's very influential in developing a women executives. So I was at the party and I was meeting people, these other Charlotte Business Women of the Year winners, like this super highbrow group and uh, not highbrow, but very um, well accomplished women just making friends and making some connections. She came over to me, Amanda, and she said, hey, congratulations on winning this award. She said, you must be very alone. She said, I need to get you some girlfriends. And I was like, yes, I am alone. I'm at a senior high level in the speed organization, the only woman in the room all the time, and not having any peers to say, hey, I'm feeling this, or this is what I'm experiencing, or how to go through that. So that was the first thing that I noted that, yeah, I really was alone and isolated. I think that happens a lot to women when they get into these senior positions in male-dominated industries. They're alone, and they feel alone, and they feel like they don't belong there, that they can't compete, that they can't be mentally the same. And they end up apologizing a lot for, the, you know, I'm sorry or whatever, kind of pulling themselves back. So that was the first realization. And since then, and that's been, you know, 10 years in the process where I've had to say, you know, find those friends or find those peer groups, find those other people that are at the same level that you are in other organizations and be friends and be supportive and not drag down, not pull down, but support and encourage and say, hey, Amanda, you know, I felt like that too. When I got that big promotion, I felt all by myself and I had to find a support group and a peer group. And now in my career is I have the ability to give back and I have the ability to say to some other woman, Hey, I let me help you up. This happened to me too. This is how to do it. This is how you can handle it. And to really be a support. And I feel very, very strongly about that, but we need to support each other So that, Amanda, you don't feel that imposter syndrome, like you don't belong. You say, wow, yeah, of course. I'm here. I earned it. I deserve to be here and deserve to have that respect. And I feel very, very strongly about that. I like the
0: word, you use the word deserving. Do I deserve to be here? Why do you think that we struggle with that word so much?
1: Well, I just think, you know, I just think as women, I think we're raised a little bit differently. I think we're raised to be... That, you know, that quiet person that always um, accommodating, always vocal, always, you know, just I'm going to accommodate your needs. I'm going to make sure you're comfortable. And then we don't take care of our needs. I think it's a, a, a change of mindset to say, you know, no, I deserve. I worked hard for this. I deserve everything that came my way. Nobody gave me anything. I achieved it all. And but to be very confident and it's not being arrogant. It's not being. Um, promotional. It's not being boastful or anything. It's just recognizing, you know, what we've achieved as women in the places that we've been.
0: When you compare that of what uh, the path of your professional life, how did you balance that with your personal life as
1: well? <laughs> there is no balance. <laughs> I, I think there is no balance. There is no work-life balance. There is not. I will tell anybody. It does not exist. What does exist is. Everybody has 24 hours in the day, and what you prioritize in the day is how you provide balance for yourself. So, and I had to get. Oh, I I was a young mother. I've got two boys. They're in college now, so they're empty nesters. But when they were little, I struggled and I struggled and I struggled. But I finally got to a point. I was like, okay, everything in the office is done. I've achieved all I've got from four to six, I'm going to a baseball game and I'm going to turn my phone off and I'm going because that's my priority right then. So I think you have to be mindful of it. And I think women just need to know you can't be a hundred percent work and a hundred percent family. You're going to fail at work a couple of times. You're going to fail at family a couple of times and you're just going to have to accept it. My kids always tell me, they're like, mom, you weren't there to see my first uh, home run. I'm like, well, you know what? You got a mom that works and you're just going to have to deal with it because that's, that's the way it is
0: how did you remove the guilt?
1: You never get over it. Yeah. You never get, you never get over that mom guilt. And I still have it to this day. Should I've been there for the first baseball? Should I have been there for this? Should I've volunteered more? But you know, you just, what I do is I end up telling myself, I forgive you for not being there. You forgive yourself for not being, doing all that. But none of us is Martha Stewart, except Martha Stewart, right? And she only had one child, you know, she, she didn't have two or three running around. So it's just to give yourself a break and say, it's okay. Yeah. You know, my kids will work it out in therapy when they're 40. And also something that women carry. Like we carry that. <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: Well, as we uh, dig back into uh, the beginning of everything for you and, um, you know, undergrad and then law school at Wake Forest, was there something that hit you that knew you wanted to be a lawyer?
1: I've, since ninth grade, my my ninth grade civics teacher, and we used to debate because I am uh, have one political view and I've always had it. And he had a different political view. And we would debate a lot in my civics class. And he mentioned to me, he said, you know, you should think about law school as a career. And it just kind of planted the seed in the back of my brain. And then I went to undergrad. I was a history and political science double major with a minor in theater and graduated with a history major. And what do you do? You, you can't get a job with the history. You either teach um or you do something else so you go on to graduate school. So it was a natural fit for me and I always thought, you know, once you get I'm a huge believer in education. Once you get your degree, nobody can take it away from you. So I thought even if I don't practice law, I've got a law degree and I can always go on. And now it gives me the ability, you know, law in itself, you know, drafting documents and advising and all that, that's the vocation. But to me, the thing that I really like about it is I get to help people. I get to help other people be successful. This is how to grow your business. This is how to protect your intellectual property. This is how you protect this asset that you've built. And it's really about helping people and helping them do better and exceed and to grow and be successful. How did the uh, opportunity in motorsports present itself? So funny, it's so funny. My mom was the controller at Michigan International Speedway and she's a numbers person. She's she does she knows debits and credits and accounts. She doesn't know she wouldn't know a race car driver if they ran <laughs> over it. She doesn't know anything about the sport. So she, my summertime job, I grew up in Michigan near Michigan International Speedway, and my summertime job was assistant to the public relations director at Michigan International Speedway. I did that summers through high school. I did that summers through college. And that was my introduction to motorsports. And here I am, you know, years later still in it. And it's, it shows me the strength of that, that first job, getting that internship, getting that first thing, making those connections. And then, you know, later down your career, all those connections, they end up coming together. I have a guy that I interned with at Michigan. He's from Michigan too. He's in sports marketing right now. It's one of my biggest, um, sends me referrals all the time, but you know, who knew this amount, I'm not going to give you my age, but you know, this amount of years later, those connections you make from that first job still, um, still are important. What makes a good lawyer? I think a good lawyer is somebody that number one puts the interests of their clients ahead of their own, is not self interested, but is genuinely pleased and motivated to see their clients succeed. I think a good lawyer is always um, able to recognize risks. The risk is, you know, any business decision has a certain amount of risk. And I think the, a good lawyer is a lawyer that recognizes that hey, business people are going to take some risk. They're business people. They aren't entrepreneurs. That's what they do. You know, some lawyers are like, "Here's a decision, a deal that wants to get done. No, you shouldn't do it because there's you know too much risk." My philosophy is, "Hey, business person, here's the risk. This is the worst case train wreck scenario that you can have. If you want to go ahead and decide the risk and take it, fine." I'll paper your documents. I'll make sure you're protected as much as possible, but it's not my decision whether to take the risk or not. It's the business person's decision. So the other thing I think about a good lawyer is not lawyering in a vacuum. There's always a legal solution to a problem, but the legal solution has to be balanced with the business result, with the PR result, with the marketing result. And I think having those, from my perspective, having that business acumen because I've ran business before, I've got a lot of um, corporate business knowledge, PL and um, knowledge, being able to advise on the business side of it and balance it with the legal decisions or the legal aspect makes a better decision for the business person. And that's what I think makes a good lawyer. The other thing is honesty. Honesty all the day is long. I tell my clients sometimes it's it's against my best interest because I could, you know, do something and make a lot of money off it. Or I could say, Hey, here's another way to do it. And you don't have to pay me anything, but it's, you know, it's having that person's best interest and being honest with them all the time. We'll be right back after this message from the big machine music city Grand
0: Prix and the women with drive summit. Join us for the women with drive summit as part of the big machine music city Grand Prix, August 5th through the 8th in Nashville. Top influencers in motorsports will discuss the countless initiatives underway to empower women in the highest levels of professional motorsports. Events also include an opening reception, IndyCar Paddock VIP tour, and an opportunity to attend the inaugural Big Machine Music City Grand Prix on the weekend. To learn more and to register, visit gsevents.live. How did you know
1: you were ready to start your own business? Well, you know, necessity is the mother invention. And so um, I got to a point in my career that I didn't want to work for somebody else. Um, I still had my law degree and I thought, well, shoot, I'll go back to my roots I'll hang out my shingle. I've got a lot of contacts and I'll see if I can make a go of this. And I was lucky to join up with my partner, Melinda Morris Zanoni. She's an entertainment lawyer and we've known each other throughout our entire careers. It's funny. We always say um, in the legal world, we rose the youngest and the only women in the room for, you know, whatever legal conference that we went to. And so we um, took a look at the Charlotte market, We're like Charlotte's a sports town. We've got the Hornets, got the Panthers, we've got the Charlotte FC, the soccer teams coming. We've got the Independence. We've got the. We've got a lot of sports, and in addition to motorsports, which is you know NASCAR is all there. We took a look at everything, and we said, "Hey, this is the time to try our own thing." So we did the market research. We thought nobody else is doing sports and entertainment in Charlotte. The big firms are doing the big stadium deals, but nobody's doing it niche like we are. And the timing was right. And so here we are six years later, you know, we just came off our best year, you know, knock on wood. I know a lot of people didn't do well during COVID, but we were really fortunate that our clients were had a really, really good year. And so we're growing, we're just bringing on another associate. So we're hiring and, um, It was the right time to do it. So I'm pleased and thankful and grateful to my clients and our clients and the reception that we've had out there. How would you describe your leadership style? My leadership style is very gentle. My leadership style is um, the carrot, not the stick. My leadership style is helping others be the best person that they can be. I like to lead by example. Um, I think everybody deserves to be treated with respect and, and professionalism and respect. And in our business, finding what makes an employee tick, finding what they're really interested in. If you find something that they're really interested in and you can craft their job around what they really like to do, they're going to be more successful at it. And I was very fortunate that my boss, Humpy Wheeler, did that for me when I first started. So my leadership style, again, it's, it's more gentle. Um, I'm not the person on the roof shouting, you know, let's go storm the Alamo. Um, I'm the person that's kind of behind the scenes saying, how can I motivate you this is where we're all trying to get. I do believe in, in leading, uh, providing everybody a context on where we're going. Um, uh, I'll take our law firm, Apollo, Sports Entertainment Law Group. We want to be a national law firm. We're a regional firm right now, but we want to be national. So we've got to grow carefully and we've got to scale. But I want everybody in the office to know that's where we're going so they can focus on it. So that's, I think that's my leadership style
0: when you go through uh, traits or kind of characteristics that you want in your employees, are there certain things that you look for?
1: There's two things I look for. I look for honesty and I look for fire in the belly. I can teach if people have honesty and fire in the belly, in the belly and problems. I'll add problem solving to that. I can teach them the subject matter. I can teach them sports. I can teach them anything else, but fire in the belly, honesty and some problem solving skills and, um, anything else I can learn. I can teach them.
0: You talked a little bit about your history with um, in Charlotte and the motorsport space, uh, now owning uh, your own law firm. What are you most proud of that you've
1: accomplished? You know what I'm most proud of that I've accomplished? My two boys that are in college. One's a junior and one's a sophomore. Um, rising junior, rising sophomore, and I'm really proud of the gentleman that they've become. That's my mm-hmm. proudest accomplishment. Professionally, my proudest accomplishment is, is the law firm and that I've done it, again, in partnership with my partner. We've worked together as a team. We've developed the brand. We've done the business development. We've set everything together. But now knowing that we are really a regional um, a law firm. And I get calls from people that say, Hey, I hear you're the best motorsports lawyer in the country. I'm like, that's awesome. Yes. I'd love to work with you. Love to help you understand motorsports risk all day long. So professionally, I think that's the biggest accomplishment. What do those words sound like to you? Success. It sounds like, it sounds like success, right? You work. I mean, Amanda, you know, you work for so many years to build your reputation, that every day it's on the line with every, you know, with me, with every document that goes out the door, with every telephone call I take, with every presentation I do, it's my reputation. And it, I carry that that burden. And just to know that in the garage area, people say, hey, call Lori. She knows how to solve your problem. That's a real compliment to me.
0: It led to uh, the Sports Business Journal in, in 2020 named you a game changer.
1: What's it like being recognized by your peers? It's Awesome. Because just back to that earlier question of questioning yourself, do I really belong here? Am I imposter? To know, to know that number one, the Sports Business Journal thought that I was a game changer, but to have my peers nominate me as someone that's changing, you know, changing the way that women are viewed in business or in sports business is is a real endorsement. And I'm really, really honored that they selected me. And like I said, it's my time to change things and and help other people find their way through. Finding uh, ways to get through
0: for women or for uh, young people, uh, especially in, I would imagine that uh, that the in the law world, it is as probably male-dominated as it might be in, in motorsports. Do you feel like it's gotten bad, better? Have you seen an improvement of women being in the conversation?
1: I have. I will tell you in the legal field, um, these are some st- statistics in the legal field. Field about fifty five percent of law school graduates are women. In law firms in the United States, only twenty two percent of law partners are women. So women are tapping out. Some there in between. It's true in companies too. And the majority of high college graduates are women, greater than fifty percent. Fifty percent of all mid level managers are women. But C-suite managers is 17%. So there's a tap out there too. And I have some thoughts about that. What are they? I, th- I, think, I think women, because when women have children, they say, hey, I can either stay at home and do the mom thing or I can work and the balance is not there i do see corporations changing i do see this work from home this more flexibility is going to help women and professional and i think that there does need to be some more flexibility to keep i call it a brain drain in corporate america because women are tapping out i know friends of mine that are master's degrees that have physics degrees that are neuroscience that said i don't want to do it anymore um so there's got to be some accommodations that made in the law front and in corporations as well I will also say I've seen a change, actually in the past year, I've seen a change in sports business of women being promoted into really awesome jobs. This Kim, the baseball player down at the uh, Florida Marlins, um, that was the new general manager of the baseball team there. And um, I've seen a lot of women take on a real hefty position. So I think there's some intention People saying, let's look at this differently. Let's put women in, in stronger positions. Um, and we just need to support each other on the way up as, as we go along. So I, I do see it changing. Uh, the other thing I see, Amanda, is I see that because of the national narrative during the past 18 months, I see this diversity, inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion. Brands are talking about that. We're going to be more diverse and they're going to have to put their money where their mouth is, meaning they're going to have to hire women. They're going to have to hire minorities. They have to pull them in. Um, We're a hundred percent female owned law firm. And we've been talking to some big brands about doing some sports, um, sports law work, well, we help check the box in their, diver- they've got diversity in DEI metrics, you know, 30% of the vendors have to be minorities, So we fill that. Um, so that's turning out to be a competitive advantage for us. And I think that's going to continue.
0: We're going to take a quick pause here on the Women Shifting Gears podcast to hear from our sponsor, Prive Hair.
1: I love supporting women shifting gears and champion females who charge hard in the left seat of race cars. My name is Shea
0: Holscher and I'm the CEO of Purvey Products. My company makes salon quality hair care products. We are women owned and women run. Our products are powered by the highest quality clean natural ingredients on the planet. We believe women are changing the world. We give 1% of our revenue back to Project Share, a nonprofit that supports women in need. Visit our website at PurveyProducts.com
1: and use the code Purvey, all in cap and Save 30% on your first order.
0: One of the, as I've talked to you through this uh, podcast, I, I am looking at uh, the other things that I know you're involved in. I, I really don't know if you sleep. so. <laughs> but uh, one of those uh, roles that uh, you play in is uh, co-president of WISE, which is women in sports and entertainment. Uh, the collection of, of women, uh, and this is in the Charlotte area, Um, being able to have outreach in that community, um, I just hearing your narrative of always giving back and wanting to change it maybe for the course of someone else, why is that so important to you?
1: Well, because I didn't have that. I mean, quite honestly, I did not have that. And I think my career would have been different if I had a, I had a male mentor, my boss, again, Humpy Wheeler's great, was my mentor, brought me up, gave me a Great opportunity and great careers, but I didn't have a female mentor that could have helped me through some tougher transitions that I had. And so I feel very strongly that I don't I don't want that to happen to anybody else. And I want to I want to be a resource. I want people to say, hey, I'm you know, I have trouble with my boss or I'm trying to transition to a different career. And I can say, hey, I have some thoughts on that. You know, have you tried this? Have you tried that? So Wise has given me a great opportunity? First of all, the organization is amazing. If anybody's listening to the podcast, I think you should check into WISE at wiseworks.org. It's an amazing organization and it's supportive of women and it's career development and it's networking. And it's, I found it to be a very, very good vehicle for that, you know, trying to find your people, other peers that are doing the same kind of thing that you're doing, they're there, but also has given me the opportunity to give back to some younger women that are trying to, you know, come up the ladder.
0: If you had to, you said that you feel your career may have been different. Uh, What would you say to yourself at 22 years old?
1: At 22 years old, I would say work your tail off. Mm -hmm. Don't let anybody ever tell you no and never stop working hard ever. I mean, here I am, you know, some odd years later, and I still work as hard as I did as day one. You've always got to work hard because sports is a competitive business. It's always going to be competitive, people that are competitive, and you've got to work really, really hard. But um, just continue to work hard. Don't ever slow down. In your
0: career, you've been a part of some challenging moments, uh, specifically, uh, with Charlotte, with the pedestrian bridge collapse. Um, how did you, how do you maintain those situations, um, from a standpoint of, uh, just balance really?
1: Yeah. So I went through, when I was at Charlotte Motor Speedway, we went through a real rough time where we had several, um, disasters that happened within the span of about 18 months we had a um at an indycar race uh at charlotte motor speedway had a tire that came off of a car and was punted into the grandstand we had three people killed and nine people injured um so that happened we had um at the time we had uh, it was lowe's motor speedway at the time and you guys remember eric rudolph and the um the Olympic bomber He was at the Olympics in Atlanta. Anyway, he was um, escaped. They couldn't find him for four or five years after that. He was rumored to be hiding out in the North Carolina mountains. And we got an FBI report that he's coming to the Coca-Cola 600, you know, that time. So it was just a crazy, crazy time. Um, And then the last thing we had the bridge collapse and it was um, after the all-star race, Dale Jr. won. And there was 107 people on the bridge and it collapsed. and I can tell you more than you want to know about pre concrete and how that happens, but you don't want to, your listeners really don't want to know that. So I think going through those things in balance in a time of crisis, you just do what needs to be done. I learned a lot. I worked with a lot of um, great litigation attorneys. I worked with some great accident reconstruction folks. I worked with again my boss at the Speedway. That how we handled the families, how we handled the people, um, the 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 people that were injured, but also the the remaining family members from the deceased. We were very thoughtful about supporting those folks and doing the right doing the right thing always. Um, but I think having that experience puts me in a very unique position as a lawyer because I've been there when indemnification clauses have been enacted, like. That doesn't happen all the time. And I've been there when you've got an absolute disaster and you go to court and you're trying to settle within your limits. And it's I've got the experience and I can use that to advise my clients now on what their insurance could look like or what the you know, what's the worst thing that can happen um, in their situation and at a racetrack. Anything can happen if I, you know, four-year-old concrete bridges aren't supposed to fall, but they do. So the impossible does happen, but I think it gives a unique perspective of how to handle a disaster and you just do what needs to be done in the time frame.
0: Thank you, Lori. Well, one of the things that I also saw was that you are, uh, you call yourself a history geek and hearing about your undergrad. Um, how great are you as a trivia partner? <laughs> I'm pretty good, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming to Charlotte, and we're going to do a trivia night.
1: You want me on your Trivial Pursuit team? I'm (laughs) in history category. You know, history is my passion. I have, I love history. I love talking about history. I love learning about history. I love anything about history. I'm, I'm geeked out. I'm reading a book right now. It's the. Biography of Wild Bill Hick- Wild Bill Hickok. You know Wild Bill, and it's history. And he was a he was a soldier in the um, Civil War, and he fought for the Union side. And he was a sharpshooter. Anyway, I just get geeked out about it. It's my passion. But from a more serious note, history provides context. History provides context of everything. You can look at the lat last 18 months of the civil unrest. And it's got ties to the 1964 Civil Rights Act. It's got ties to the Civil War. Um, These things, they don't just happen. But for me, it provides context and an understanding of why a certain way is the way it is. Um, In Raleigh, why is it Hillsborough Street? Why is it called Hillsborough Street in Charlotte? Why is it called Sheeran Road? There's all context of why these things are like this. And so to me, it just provides understanding. And um, I know my friends all get tired because we'll go someplace and I'm like, oh, yeah, this was the site of the Sugar Creek. You know, I'll say some kind of history thing happened here. And they're like, shut up, Lori. We just want to have fun. <laughs>
0: And I, I do want to follow up a little bit on, because uh, you look at uh, the context of what's happened in the last uh, 12 months, 15 months, uh, and I actually am very optimistic of, I know people talk about millennials or Gen Z, and, uh, but I feel like that there's this, this push for enough is enough. Uh, from someone of, of, of where you are looking, looking down and seeing uh, what's happening, how, how do you describe what you, you feel is changing in society?
1: Well, I think our young people are to some extent, they are understanding that they have a voice, that they are seeing that how they can change democracy. And they're actually I I see the younger generation being more engaged. Um, and actually, in the past eighteen months, I think everybody who didn't know what the electoral college is certainly knows what it is now and why it was set up and but also understands how how change happens and that we live in the democracy, and we have a very um we have a live democracy. One of the things that I think as Americans is we keep evolving to be better. You know this whole again the civil disrupt disruption civil unrest is about America being a better place and getting to a better place and it's noisy and it's like sausage making and it's you know one person has a viewpoint another person has another but we're all collectively have this group think where we get to a better place that's why I see the whole July 4th. I see Juneteenth as a evolution Mm -hmm. of that revolution coming forward. And I see us kind of still evolving into a better society. So I'm hopeful about what's going on. And I think, I think I believe in us getting there to the place where, where we want to be.
0: We'll be right back with you guys here on the Women Shifting Gears podcast after this quick word from our sponsor, the Circuit of the Northwest.
1: Hi, I am Brian Nielsen, founder of Circuit of the Northwest, a world-class multi-use motorsports facility and racing destination located in the Pacific Northwest. I am proud to support the Shifting Gears community and their mission to get women in the left seat. It mirrors our mission, making the Circuit of the Northwest equal for all, because you know, the car knows no gender. A limited number of pre-construction founding memberships will become available in June at preferred rates at circuitofthenorthwest.com.
0: Well, thank you for sharing uh, this last half hour with us. Uh, I have a feeling that uh, you were uh, damn near determined to make sure that happens. So, uh, <laughs> it, uh, but now that we have, uh, we transition into the hot lap now. So you have survived the first half and this is where it gets uh, fun for us. So we're going to take a journey with Lori. And uh, if you're on a road trip, where are you headed?
1: Uh, I am headed to the Lewis and Clark Trail out <laughs> the west and i'm starting at <laughs> i'm starting at the beginning of the missouri river and i'm taking it all the way out to columbia washington at at the fort uh i can't remember the name of that was built there that's what i'm doing <gasps> what are do you on this
0: uh, lewis and clark adventure what are you driving i'm gonna drive a
1: uh, porsche cayenne that's what I'm gonna what's on the radio rolling stones Ooh. any specific song Um, let it bleed and sticky fingers are two of my favorite (laughs) albums. And then I'm going to have on the back, I'm going to have the drive-by truckers, um, blessing and a curse, um, in, in the the second slot.
0: And what road snack is in your hand? Uh, corn nuts. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's a first. I haven't heard that one yet. Uh, and if you're in the left seat driving, who's your passenger in the right seat? Uh, be my husband. You come with me. Well, thank you, Lori. I want to uh, close out, um, just cause, uh, I, and I think your energy flows throughout this, this whole part, but, uh, uh, in your bio on LinkedIn, it says helping others increase in abundance and success. Is that your life's work?
1: That's my life's work. That's why, that's why I do this is to help others in, in every aspect increase in abundance and success. If it's my coworkers, if it's my employees and my business partner, if it's my siblings, if it's my friends, if it's my cousins, if it's people I meet on the street or somebody random calls me, my that's my why. I want to help others increase in abundance and success. And I focus on it every day, but it gives me inspiration and it gives me a reason for being. Lori Eberhardt, thank you. Thank you, Amanda. It's been fun. The Women's Shifting Gears podcast is produced by GS Events.
0: A female owned collective with a mission to amplify women's voices across the automotive culture. Follow along on our journey on Instagram and Twitter at the handle Women Shifting Gears or on the web at gsevents.live.